Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. He's got a history, doctor. Violence, antisocial six, repeated violations of the permanent emergency code. Insolence, defiance, disregard of authority, doing 25 to life. I don't think he's going to hurt us. You aren't going to hurt us, are you, Mr. Cole? Yes, sir. We're all monkeys. <laughs> this is Film Sack. Sure. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack episode 501. We are now part officially of the 501st. Welcome to the show. Uh, we are mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind and have been for 11 years. Uh, my name is Scott Johnson today, joined by Brian. Saran Rap is the sixth element done away. Oh, put it on me. Oh, mm. hi. Okay, Mr. Cole, I'm going to ask you to relax while I attach these alligator clips to your face fat. And then we're just going to shove your three times naked Bruce Willis ass. Oh, Will ass. Yep. Going to shove you right into your Woody, into our Woody Woodpecker cartoon inspired time tube. Woo. Like a big old naked wiener covered in a condom to ensure your travels are safe. What's that? You say you're good at remembering things. Best not to remember this, Mr. Cole. But don't worry. It's safe, like an MRI machine. But it's not an MRI machine in a basement, and all of this is not just in your head in some sort of divergent reality on planet Ogo. All right, one more alligator clip. I think this one goes to your right nipple. Nope, nope, already got one there. This is your classic left nip alligator clip situation. <laughs> and there. Okay. Enough monkey business. All right, hold on to your butts. I'm firing up the time tube. Clear! Is he gone? Okay. Let's go shopping. Randy, colonics for everyone. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, that was, I don't know. That was like Brad Pitt was here. Well done. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. Hello. You are Brad Pitt. Uh, also with us, Randy, how many times would you scrub naked Bruce Willis down with a brush, Jordan? Ooh. Aloha, Scott. Brian. Brian. Hi. Randy. Now, I need you to listen. Listen. The whole world. Your whole life, man. Everything that's coming into your inputs and out of your outputs, it's like 
it's completely programmed. It's you and it's the program and you can't change it, but you also can't predict it, but it's already happened. You know, you know, like you don't know, but you feel the need and you feel it all the time and you know, you do, and you think it's the same for everyone else. But the crazy thing is you're right. Here's what you need, what we all need. Here's what everyone in the world needs, man. Uh, one Arby's classic beef and cheddar, two orders of curly fries, and a Diet Coke, no ice. All right, mm. thanks. Mm. <laughs> but what if the monkey eats it? Ah, don't let him eat it. Twelve monkeys will destroy that meal order. Wrapped in foil. Yeah. And, well, it's not wrapped in foil. It's obviously a Ziploc bag. Yeah. <laughs> Continuity. Also, I am hungry for all the things you just mentioned. No kidding. Gosh, dang it. That's not good. All right. Finally, Brian, wait. That's not Susan Master Bingo Bongo Antonio Sabato Jr. Ibbett. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) All right. Hold on there, mister. Airport security checkpoint. Let me see those glass vials. Science experiment, you say, huh? What What if I shake it like this? That good? That good? Okay, you're good to go. Oh, sir, are these your Speedo underwear? No? Okay, move along. Who's next? Ma'am? Whoa, 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 what have we got there? Did you think I was just going to let you get on the plane carrying those giant bottles of liquid? Can I shake them? Oh, okay, good, good. Ah, yes, shake, shake, shake. All checks out. Okay, here's a pack of cigarettes to smoke on the plane. Move along. Oh, wait, ma'am, are these your, your Speedo underwear? No? Okay, next. Come on, let's move things along. Quickly, quickly. Gun, hold up there, mister. Fire to the ceiling. Need to make sure it's real. Okay, good, good. Keep it going. Fireworks, light one. Okay, good. Can I shake those? Oh, good, good. Uh, Come back here, sir. I need to shake your gun. All right, thank you. All right, all of you move along. Speedo underwear, speedo underwear. Okay, they're mine now. Oh, wait, these are mine. Man, being an airport security guard is easy, and I can't see that ever changing. (laughs) Oh, you were just a few years away from yeah, the big change. Yeah, just a few years away. Yeah. Well, all right. Well done, everybody. That is uh, a lot of talk about 12 monkeys. <laughs> 12, 12 monkeys. monkeys. Oh, yeah, that's right. The not, the, not the 2015 TV series spinoff, but the uh, the uh, 12 monkeys from 1995. Now, right. uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the TV thing, but I'm half tempted to go check it out. It's all up on Hulu. Um, it and, is four seasons. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it really, it isn't a continuation of this. It starts the story over again. Oh, is that um, how it works? as far as I can tell. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, smart. that's smart though, because I mean, we're kind of in a time loop anyway. You pretty much could multiverse this thing right into another time loop, you right? You could, except I wish, right. um, I, what I want more of, and I'll, we'll talk more about this, I think in our discussion today of, of, uh, the, 1995 Terry Gilliam masterpiece 12 monkeys well we'll talk about whether it's a masterpiece or not we'll we'll discuss that we'll discuss that (laughs) all right uh, that we'll 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 get into the whole idea that um the the movie um what was I gonna say uh uh I forgot now oh I want the tv show what I would want from a tv show and I'm sure this is not what they give us according to what Brian just said but I want a tv show that uh, explores the world of that weird future underground that's what I want yeah right Build more world there and show me what the hell's going on there and not and if, so much flashbacks or, you know. And if the backs. sci-fi channel series, I think it was sci-fi channel series, uh, does that, like basically has a lot more parallel storylines of what's going on in that underground future world as well as what James Cole is doing in the quote-unquote present, mm-hmm. that would actually be pretty good. It'd be, it'd be 
decent. Because I feel like this, I feel like what we've got here in 12 Monkeys, the the movie, yeah. is a nice self-contained, um, doesn't need any further storyline I would story. Yeah, I would like. I would like to. I agree with you. I would like to see a uh, a deeper dive into each of the twelve monkeys. <laughs> and, and I'm talking. I'm not talking about the twelve monkeys that were uh, the the you know the distraction that was Brad Pitt twelve monkeys. I'm talking right. about the six scientists that that uh, mirror each other in the future and the present with the psychiatrist. Yeah. I think those 12 monkeys mm. and a deeper exploration into that understanding why one of them's an insurance agent. Yes. I, love that. I, would, I would like to have that deeper dive. Yeah. So that's, that's, like um, that's an interpretation of yeah. the, the 12 monkeys. That's the six, the six time traveling master people, you know, the, the authorities right. that Bruce Willis deals with. And then the six doctors that he deals with in the present. I like that. Right. I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> nothing nothing about this movie ever gave me that as a story and uh, furthermore like it actually this movie asks the question over and over why aren't any of these people doing their own damn time traveling why do they keep sending this rando guy that they picked out of their prison it's about, it's about control it's not about, James, it's about solving James the problem Cole, uh, remembers things and my guess is that because he wasn't the first of their time traveling subjects they found that that other people they sent back and forth had no memory of what they were doing and therefore just ended up in the past, um, blathered on about the apocalypse and got put in Catherine's book, but never oh, never yeah, got their yeah, memory yeah. back to be able to say, here's what's going on. Here's why I'm here. Yeah. This, you know what's funny that, is it's their bumbling that made it work finally. And that was them accidentally right. sending him to World War One in the middle of a freaking trench yeah. war. And then getting shot mm-hmm. with an ancient bullet that then would show up in 1995 or six or whatever uh, and have them all go, holy shit. And that's what convinced uh, the lady who's not Mary Elizabeth Master. I swear <laughs> <laughs> this was Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio as well until it's like, oh, wait, no. Well, it's, uh, Madeline Stone. Madeline, Madeline Stone. Stone. I was like, is that Barbara Hershey? No. Who is that? That's. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, don't, <clears throat> I know you we'll and I were both off for that type of acting right yeah, so, yeah. I mean, she's from yeah. the cut from whatever cloth that is because but it's good it's perfect yeah it she's, spot she's fine yeah. i don't know she got a little weird toward the end but she was fine um but my she got a little weird toward, i love that in a, movie, <laughs> in a movie that goes out of its way to just be weird and not actually entertain you yeah she got a little bit weird okay, Our, okay. so so this i'm glad you said that randy because i've been wanting to ask this question of you all week you have been i think not 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 unduly like i feel like you've been fairly critical of a lot of terry gilliam's work or at least the two films we've seen that he directed uh this and time bandits and i'm I'm curious if there is one of his movies where you're like i'd love that movie though like that's the one that really gets me or is it just that you and his style just don't don't mix like you guys just don't like each other so I've never seen this movie. I actually I come into this movie uh, imagining that it's going to be kind of like Seven, which well, wow, not even close. No. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I when I think of Terry Gilliam, I think of like again. I had like a decade of my life where I was collecting Monty Python stuff, yeah. and I ended up putting together this whole Monty Python film festival at my college, and we did it every year. It was the Monty Python-a-thon, 24 hours of Monty Python. And I had way more than 24 hours at that point. And so we were able to like 
carefully pick and select and, and order. Like there was an order of things that you would watch Monty Python. And a lot of what was discarded was Terry Gilliam. A lot. Really? He was the, you know, because he was the weird American in Monty Python, right? right? He right. was the, mm-hmm. he was the guy that, uh, when he was on screen, like they would use him sometimes and he was fine because he was part of a troupe doing a joke. Right. But his own stuff was just him off by himself, cutting out pictures and putting them together and animating them moving. Right. Yeah. His animation stuff a, is, is what you think. Are of you it. saying that's whatever? Cause don't say that. <laughs> yeah, Cause I love that. That's stuff. just amazing. Yeah, that, I love that, that is stuff. like some of the most amazing things yeah. ever it's a it's a thing that he that he he did and felt like nobody had before and then anything since then that does anything that looks like that i immediately think of terry gilliam i'm watching a documentary on hbo right now that uses to tell to tell stuff that happened in the past they use cutouts of these people in the 50s and then have them kind of interacting with each other in this like herky-jerky sort of you know collage animated way and all i can think of is well you wouldn't even be doing that without terry gilliam right, like that's right. just that's so his just- style his eyes, like the way he sees things is is truly like it's unique and it's interesting. So like his, you know, when we talk about Terry Gilliam movies, we're talking about Time Bandits, Brazil, and this. We're talking about 12 months. Oh, yeah, That's for Baron Munchausen. The trilogy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Baron I'd also, Munchausen. I'd yeah. also do that uh, one with Robin Williams. Uh, uh, Fisher Baron King. Logan. Fisher King? Fisher King's amazing. Oh, yeah. Fisher King is so good, yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, he wrote he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and directed uh, it too. And and you realize um watching this movie I realized for the for kind of the first time that he has a crutch. Now on the one side I was I spent this whole movie just like amazed at the cinematography, his view of things. Although it's bleak and it's very very dirty, it's very visually arresting. Mm. Everything, every shot. Like I can I could just I could name I could spend the next hour just talking about then there's this shot of Bruce Willis emerging from the underground prison. And it's just you just start out looking at snow and you realize there's a circle in the snow and it's a manhole and it moves. And it's like it is the the definition of a perfect shot every time. And I, I'm like, I love that. I think there's so much there. But then a movie is also a story, or at least a movie like this, right? We're not talking about Koyana Scotsy. We're talking about a movie with characters delivering words, right? And so there's a story there, and he has a crutch that he, as a filmmaker, absolutely falls on constantly. And that is crazy people that you can't trust, whether they're telling you the truth or Mm -hmm. they're just insane, and they're Mm -hmm. just making something up. And you're supposed to... Uh, you're supposed to spend the film wondering, is it real or is it just in his head? But the depiction of it is what bu- bugs me. And I'm just I, – I get tired, like is, so tired of that depiction. You call it a crutch, but is – I mean would would Alfred Hitchcock's crutch be suspense or would um, Christopher Nolan's crutch be mind-bending puzzles or something like that? I mean isn't it – is if, it just if you're a good hallmark? at something, right? Yeah. If you're good yeah, at something, is it, is it a crutch? Trademark yeah, that, or is it a crutch? That's a really good point. I think it's probably if you see his work, if his work hits you, uh, you know, and and it, and it works, like it succeeds, then you mm-hmm. see it as a uh, as a boon, as, as a, a boon, yeah, as a positive. Yeah. If you see it, uh, if you don't like it, or if it rubs against you, or just feels repetitive, 
then obviously it's a crutch because it's the only thing he seems to be bringing to the table. Right. But this was a time where everybody and their dog wanted to work with, with him as a director. Like they were all lining yeah, up wait. for it. And this is a case where Bruce Willis, unlike last week, was a, was willing to uh, give up a bunch of money. <laughs> Reduce his salary, yeah. yeah. It's, to, very, to, it's very funny that, that we had these two movies back to back. Yeah, because yeah. he was like, oh, I really want to work with him. And they met, I guess, on the set of The Fisher King, according to trivia. And right. hit it off, and he was like, "I'd really like to work with you one day." And he, he took a massive hit, and so did uh, somebody else. Did Pitt wasn't a huge star yet, so he just was fine. He was like considered up and comer, even though within two years he was going to be, right? You know, everything, everything. But yeah, uh, I can't remember the other one was, but somebody else took kind of a hit on there. Oh, I know, it was Christopher Plummer. He usually gets more than what mm. he got for his. Oh tiny yeah, role. Christopher Plummer. Speaking oh, of which, we lost Dad. Yeah. Oh, man. Like this last week, you know, this is, I I can't remember a time on film sack when we've picked a movie that features somebody very prominent who passed away in the last week. I know we've done movies where I'm sure somebody passed away on the, you know, gaffer or best boy or something, but (laughs) having a a major actor in our film and you see him immediately, it's like, Oh wow. I forgot he was in this. And yeah, that was a weird experience because he just died. Right. I'd like to run back to the topic again of the crutch yeah. because sure. I, Top of the crutch. I, I think there is something, it's an old Irish I don't know. I, I think, I think anyway, there's a problem with our viewership, the way we as entertainment consumers in America today have an expectation that our actors and actresses and directors and entertainers need to be extremely diverse like a lot of people criticize M. Night Shyamalan because he has something he's good at Mm. and he does it they criticize Liam Neeson because we've seen this movie a hundred times and it's like why why do we demand that why can't we just say it's okay that Liam Neeson made another movie and he's playing the same role again and that's fine as long we as can. they're making money and the people are going to see it, why are we so pissed off? Well, no, no, we can't be because I'm not. And how I do love we? It. And how do we not do like? Because we do the same thing when they go outside of it, right? Vin yeah. Diesel does the Tooth Fairy stick, or something like that. Mane. Boy, <laughs> you really need to stick to action movies, dude. You know, yeah, we do the yeah, same. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite. We're so hypocritical when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, it is weird that we do that, but also, yeah, it's like stay in your lane. But then, what are you still doing in your lane? Like, right, right. right. It's a weird entertain thing. us, dance monkeys, right. Dance. I mean, personally, yeah. I, whenever I hear about a new Liam Neeson revenge movie, I'm excited. I like those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually enjoy yeah, them. The only disappointment so. is that they just don't make it the same character. Just, no. just yeah, you just, know, just do it. Let's make exactly. it the Taken guy. Right. Exactly. And put him. Make put him, him the Taken guy. Always the same world. Put him in Expendables yeah. Four while you're at it, because that movie. Right. I think he's right. earned it. He's <laughs> that earned would be it. incredible. That would be so, great. I mean, but yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to argue. Whatever it is you're you're trying to lay on me here, I <laughs> oh, oh I'm laying on you 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 called something that someone is good at you called it a crutch as though it was bad I am no, straight I out said, saying that what you're calling us crutch is an individual's talent I said, I said my to opinion, bring something to the table my opinion is that this person Terry Gilliam is very good at something yeah and that right. is giving you something to look at yeah and I am I am not very entertained by 
movies where there are crazy people doing crazy that's, things and that's fine and can't be trusted from beginning to end you're absolutely so, allowed to have an opinion on a movie i think the problem is that you called it a crutch which is is like saying oh he's just you know he's leaning on it it's it's, it's a negative connotation it. relies on it too much yeah because it's because thrillers are movies where you're told a story and to tell a story, you have to have characters talk and experience things. Mm. And when you go and paper <laughs> okay. over that, yeah. that's yeah. what happened in this movie. No, actors you, talked. It's absolutely <laughs> chock full of people who you can't believe or you no, don't because, know if you should believe. Because and the whole that, movie is around is this reality? Wouldn't that be the whole thing? Look at the whole thing. Thrillers. <laughs> look at great thrillers. Like, I don't know, Memento, like any Christopher Nolan movie, basically. Mm -hmm. There there are lots of mysteries and questions to to answer. And and there's not, you know, like there's not a, uh, there's not a constant misdirection uh, throughout those movies. Uh, You know, uh, Shutter Island is streaming and it's like watching it, you're like, oh, wow, there's this like question I, i've seen it before but i couldn't remember what the oh, i've never seen shutter island was. that's a good reminder to watch shutter island because i've never seen and, it but uh, here's and, the thing the, i'm gonna the big question slowly gets answered right. is, is my point right, in, right instead of oh now i'm in a now i'm in a mental institution forever right and i'm like i am not i don't know if i'm finding out anything of value about the story here you know? yeah even though i mean that stuff that you're talking about in the mental institution is the most memorable and it's the thing people think of when they think of this movie at least i do and there's a reason Brad Pitt got nominated for a best supporting actor in this thing. Um, I, I'm going to, this is a weird thing for me to say this cause I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan. And prior to this viewing a huge, uh, 12 monkeys fan and Brian Ibbett and I've talked about this. We're both like, when we saw it, we'd put it in our top 50. Yeah. Not sure how we'll feel. And then we're like, all right, well, so you in this, this weekend for film sack. Now we've seen it. Mm-hmm. I, I think this movie's got problems and I don't mean like every movie. I mean, it's, I don't know if this is me siding with Randy on this or not, but I guess what I'm going to say is the visual uh, takes and the sort of Terry Gilliamness of it mm-hmm. feels like it's trying to smash itself in with traditional thriller elements and it doesn't mix very well. Like, uh, David Morse at the airport with his box of horrible virus. Mm-hmm. Um, he that feels like tr- that feels like a traditional Jerry Bruckheimer moment, right? Of a of right. like an action movie with Nick Cage or somebody who apparently was almost in this movie. But anyway, uh, that that doesn't mix as well with his weird like in the future. There's like eight doctors with funny glasses on going. Oh, Mr. Willis, you're freaking like being the, the, the Terry Gilliam shit that they do. <laughs> right. And it and as a result, the end result for me, this viewing. And maybe it's because I went in wondering how it was going to feel. I don't know. I mean, I'd be willing to admit that. But I came out feeling a little, I don't know, like this isn't quite what I this isn't on the shelf. I'd put it on. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. When you look at the Gilliam movies that we talked about, Brazil, Munchausen, Fisher King, uh, this. Um, Fisher, Fisher King, and this both have that. We've got, uh, and and let's use. I mean, for Randy's uh, description of it, let's use the crazy character that is maybe they're right, maybe they're sane, but maybe they're crazy. 
we've got that in Fisher King, we've got it in this. And because of that, you need these two worlds. You need the Terry Gilliam world of lions walking around the the, the library and uh, bears in front of Macy's, but then you've also got this world where Bruce Willis beats the crap out of a out of a, a hobo, you know, uh, in an alley. And they've got to be very different because you've got to be able to maintain the the wonder, the world that he comes from, and then the real world that is uh, that he's trapped in, that he's um, yeah. uh, that he's got to change himself. Yeah. Same thing with Fisher King. You've got the real world. You've got the world that that Robin Williams imagines, and then you've got the real world where um, his wife died and, and and all this stuff. Spoiler to people who haven't yeah, seen Fisher right, spoiler. <laughs> but Baron Munchausen and Brazil and Time Bandits fully take place in that Terry Gilliam world. And so that's why I think this is this is such a stark um difference and why it feels like there's there's Gilliamness all over parts of it, but then Gill- like stuff that can't have any Gilliamness, because I think it would it would soften the harshness of the real world. It certainly would do it in the Fisher King. I right? think you're hundred percent correct. This is this yeah. you put into the words that I was trying to find. That's the difference. And and I think that's discordant and it doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. an example of when this does work where you take a director with a very renowned style, which Terry Gilliam certainly has, but if you take somebody like oh I just forgot his name. Tim Burton. And mm-hmm. Tim Burton, mm-hmm. every Tim Burton movie, you see all the Tim Burtonisms. Right, and mm-hmm. most of them are set in a world where the fantasy uh, persists through the entire two hours or whatever length mm-hmm. it is. But if you take something like um, Big Fish, that was his version of this, in my opinion, because that's him saying, "All right, I got fantastical stuff happening and big imaginary stuff, but I've also got real world stuff and consequences in half of my movie, also." Right. Well, and you see, like big fish that's is a really good, character. and they do a really good job. Like that, I, that's, I, I guess my argument is that is that Tim Burton killed it, and that this doesn't quite do it. Sorry, Randy, go ahead. But I just I can't wait until my next viewing of Big Fish. I've seen it so many times, and it's just one of those movies that just warms my heart because the story has this conclusion that fits the genre. You know what I mean? Like right. in the in the end, you find out that all of the all of the sort of imaginary stuff was actually based on a, a kind of reality and you see it all, you revisit it all. And as a viewer, you get to have that moment of, of recollection, right? And, and this kind of thing. And, and 12 monkeys is a straight thriller. Like there's really nothing else to call that movie, right? It is right. a thriller. It is, a, it has uh, questions that it asks that you are looking for answers to. You don't always get the answers, and that's fine. There's uh, movies are sometimes cagey in that way, right? But along the way, I just feel like this movie spends so much time in hallways with crack pa- peeling painting mm-hmm. and dirtiness, and like that. That to be entertaining has to also be providing me with something, and it just didn't. Like over right. and over and over. Between those moments where I'm like, wow, look at this amazing shot. When people are actually talking, it's just not, I don't know, it just didn't really affect me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a Terry Gilliam fan or not fan. So I going into this 12 Monkeys, I've said before, I've only watched bits and pieces of this. I never sat down totally all the way through. And the, one of the reasons why is most of the Gilliam films that I've watched are intentionally to make my skin crawl. It's, it, he doesn't want me to be comfortable 
in the world because maybe Terry Gilliam isn't comfortable in his own skin and he's trying to translate that into art. And so I see this less as a thriller and more of a science fiction film that asks a lot of questions, uh, philosophical questions and, uh, you know, reality questions. And I, I totally get why that is not accessible to a lot of people or is not entertaining. I found it entertaining. Yeah. Uh, well, I still but, did too. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. I like this movie, but do I like it as much as I did in '95? I'm not so sure. I think part of it is my my the volume of films that have come since then that either riff on it or one up it. Um, I mean, hell, this is Looper. This is Looper. Yeah, this <laughs> is Looper. It even has Bruce Willis. And Bruce in Willis it. is in it. I'm not, I don't mean that. Like I love Looper. Looper is one of my favorite like time travel movies. Even though the time travel in it is freaking busted. Yeah. yeah, and I do want to talk about the time travel. I like this one. <laughs> well, this no, I, I really too. do want to talk about the time travel. <laughs> let's let's go ahead. Let's do this because you've really been right. having we've been having little micro conversations about this all week. Give us the lowdown on why yeah. why this one. Here's works what's great about Twelve Monkeys and the time travel, right? Because uh, we talk about Looper and how all of a sudden Bruce Willis disappears, but his gun is still there and it drops to the ground. But there was no Bruce Willis ever to bring that gun at right. the very end when he disappears. So why would the gun be there? So it's all, you know, you always look at paradoxes. What are the paradoxes? Right. What's great about 12 monkeys is you spend the entire movie in the, the, the same timeline. It's the timeline where Bruce Willis appears in, in the war that he has a picture taken, taken of him. He has a bullet in his leg. That picture was always in, um, in the archives, the photo that, that, um, Madeline Stowe had in her book of uh, the dude that uh, Bob that comes back to find him or Jose can't remember who that is. Um, he calls, was always, him Bob. <laughs> right. calls him Bob. Um, the, uh, Brad Pitt's character was always in the mental mental institution. Bruce Willis was in there with him, gave him the idea for the the virus, but Brad Pitt didn't act on it. You know, it basically is you all you spend the entire movie in that same timeline, right? Um, and you don't get a resolution. You don't get like, if there are changes that are going to happen, it happens at the end of the movie when whatever the insurance agent does, does her thing to stop yeah. the future and, and prevent Bruce Willis from ever being sent back. Wait, but wait, because wait. yeah, I thought it was to ensure the future. Yeah. Cause she's insurance is her, is her job, right? No, so she's insurance. not really a scientist. Yeah. I thought she was insurance to, uh, in case Bruce Willis failed, she was the insurance to stop, that, that was how I, I took I it. I forgot it. Well. I, I, I took that she was insurance to uh, to make sure that this always happens, that this what has happened will always happen. Yeah, that was and my take. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but isn't the problem my, that if it's always going to happen, it's never going to it's never going to work like it's just going to repeat itself every time. Like right. their right. version See, of time if, travel if ensures back, it'll never go go different. It'll if, always if be we the go same. back to up top. And Bruce Willis kind of alludes to this a couple of times. If if they go back up top, then the scientists lose all their power. They are in power now. They would not want to relinquish their power because that's more important to them than saving humanity. However, they have to move forward with the idea uh, to uh, placate. Wait, so you're saying that they're they're maintaining that? You're saying saying they're maintaining that loop to maintain control in the future? I don't know if that's the case. So they they, they, they they talk about they send Bruce, Bruce Willis back because he. His or all of these uh, time travelers that they send back spark Catherine to write her book. Right. She writes her book. She she bumps into what's his face ponytail at the party that her book 
reveal or uh, announcement party. Right. Um, she calls Dr. Goins and has him yeah. restrict Jeffrey's right. uh, uh, release of the, from the hospital and also put higher tension or higher security on the, or loosen security on the drugs or on the, uh, not the drugs, the, um, the virus, which and lets ponytail take David it. David Morse. David Morse. David yeah. Morse. <laughs> Come ponytail. I'm going ponytail. I love David Morse. And then, I love and then him. At I the, in the end, we find out that David Morse's job is to spread the virus around the world. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. I love how he released the virus and he's like, he's stiffing for it and he's looking around in their room. The I, thing I is, he didn't need to do any of that. Like, just. But he didn't, but he did, and I loved it. If that virus was capable of wiping out 5 billion people, Give it to right. one person. Just throw it in the face of the guy, the the customs agent guy, and then leave. Yeah. You're done. If there's one thing we learned from 2020, <laughs> yeah. is that all it takes is yeah. one. Yeah, one and if it's one that's that, if if it's that virulent of a of a of a yeah. pathogen, you don't need to travel anywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. He basically him him getting the uh, security agent to get a whiff of it is is all that he really needed to do. Yeah. Right. But Done instead it. they treated it like, all right, there's America. See you guys later. I'm going to Europe now. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Got it. And Check mark. Uh, so I feel like, you know, we could we could fan fiction the crap out of this and, you know, make our own little uh, speculations about what the what the story is actually about. But I think Terry Gilliam is just basically exploring every thought. I don't think he, of course, I don't think he even knows what the end is, but he's asking a lot of questions. Mm. And to me, those questions led to that, to she's insurance. Why, why would someone in power, uh, would want to uh, give that up? They, they did. They never, their characters never strike me as, uh, anything other than, wanting to control reality it's funny because you know you i like that i do like that theory because it means that these scientists as sinister as we thought they were they're even more sinister sending bruce willis back because it's their way of making sure and it also means that they're not as bumbling with time as they oh look, absolutely right because yeah. they know they're sending him back to 1917 or right. 1912 they know they're sending him to the wrong year in 1990 too early to do anything sure. because it sets these other wheels in motion. That's a, I like that theory and I, I wish there was more. Well, I, I think there's a lot, there's actually a lot there. It, it, the Bruce Willis uh, Cole actually says that near the end that they are just trying to control. He very clearly states that that's what's going on when, when he becomes aware and he gets, when he almost becomes a complete person near the end, he states uh, something to the effect of that they're they're they just the only thing that is important is control to them. That's that's the only thing that's important. He okay. says it. And I ought to find the dialogue specifically, but well, that, that was supposed to be the latest. But see, here's the, and this is the problem. Like because when, whenever we're back there, we're we're being as Brian coined the phrase Gilliam Gilliamish. You know what <laughs> <Yes>. I mean? <laughs> and it's so it's so in there you're so distracted. It's like there's a giant communication ball and it's for some reason got all their faces on it plus Bruce Willis's face and I don't know what the hell that thing's doing. Weird. Very Terry Gilliam they with got him and sued for that. They did? What? Why? They got sued for that that uh that that high chair is actually was yeah. uh was inspired by a piece of artwork. Uh and so they, they <laughs> really they got, they got sued yeah. for it? Weird. That's yeah, weird. somebody, yeah, somebody Lebius, got, Lebius Woods. Uh, yeah, 
uh, created that the he had a the chair was called Neo Mechanical Tower Upper Chamber, which was basically a guy in a chair uh, getting interrogated by a a ball, ball with a bunch of TVs. Yeah, and um, oh, he, he settled for that. a six figure cash settlement Damn. from Universal to drop the suit. Damn, dude. I yeah, didn't know about that. That's crazy. Well, all right. right. Now I'm even more annoyed because <laughs> if, if you're going to get all Gilliam on me, do it do it raw from the Gilli- from the heart of Gilliam. You don't have raw, to take somebody right. else's painting and rip it off. Like, well, I don't think who knows. Yeah, Gilliam, Gilliam certainly may that. not have seen yeah. Lebby's artwork because that right. feels so Gilliam to me without it. Yeah, your set decorators come up and say, okay, we, we see this scene like this. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And it's like, we totally yeah. didn't steal it. <laughs> that sounds just like him. That was an amazing yeah. impression. <laughs> my, did. my favorite little tidbit in all that trivia was that those scenes were shot in two different power stations. Like yeah. they, they went to the city of Baltimore or something and were like, we want to shoot inside the weirdest, ugliest, most electrical, wiry place you can rent us love that <laughs> and they got power stations <laughs> yeah. to, to shoot in yeah See, that's that, uh, that like. same guy by the way the the art the architect who um who sued also was officially the conceptual architect behind alien 3 uh defining the look and feel for that of the third alien uh, weird for the alien third alien movie that's an interesting that's an interesting um uh mantle to pick up after uh, after geiger geiger yeah. yeah or geiger or however you say it geiger some it the documentary i saw ruined my brain because my whole life it's been geiger like geiger county yeah. and yeah. then i see this doc and i'm mean, like he's... everyone's calling him geiger yeah i mean he's <laughs> Which Scandinavian, uh, swedish Sweden, or swiss 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 yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, you would think it would be geiger that sounds right yeah. it never swiss did to me right, it yeah. freaked me out because my whole life i had books i had all the collectible tabletop uh books you know you get the coffee table books or <laughs> right are you feeling are you feeling divergent right now <laughs> a little <laughs> divergent <laughs> i feel a little divergent what about, tell me it's nagel or is it nagel it's, i it's hope it's right. nagel it better be patrick nagel yeah, oh I don't know. Gosh. Could be Nagel. I don't know. I knew a Patrick Nagel in high school. It was not that same Patrick Nagel, but he was Nagel, yeah. so I can't. Everything I know is a lie. <laughs> uh, I have a little bit of scrutiny uh, that I like to get out of the way. According to the trivia, Terry Gilliam's first choice for the lead role was Jeff Bridges, whom he had enjoyed working on with the Fisher King. Okay, that's fine. I believe that. It says here the studio wanted a bigger star, so they cast Bruce Willis. Ironically, Bruce Willis was originally auditioned for the Fisher King and lost out to Bridges. It's that last part. I don't think I know. I don't know if I buy that. I know they met on the set. It doesn't mean uh, Willis was supposed to be in there and then he didn't. I don't know if that's true. It might have been a consideration for the Fisher King. And once Gilliam met him and said, nah, he's not right for this, but maybe he'll be right for the next thing I'm working on. It was five years earlier. So Bruce Willis was five years less famous. Well, he was diehard by then, right? Yeah. 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 So he was, but he was also, you know, blind date. Then, you know, so <laughs> 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 blind date. <laughs> Let me throw this counterweight on here for you. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't all diehard level. <laughs> by, by the way, I just want a, a shout out to Madeline Stowe. Uh, when you look at Bruce Willis today, he looks mm-hmm. like a lumpy thumb. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you look at Madeline Stowe today, what a gorgeous, gorgeous beautiful striking woman of her age she yeah. is like still 60 yeah, something and she's born in 58 that makes her 62 s- yeah she's drop dead beautiful i don't know what happened there and yeah, she's still, still working and looks great left chin though 
Does she? Yeah, I forgot about. I Brian, forgot about Brian's got a thing. Problem yeah. with the clip. Brian's got a thing. Well, with you almost made it to my list. <laughs> Ooh, that's weird. Right when you said that, I'm on a page where it's Madeline Stowe's page, and down below it says "Known for Twelve Monkeys, Shortcuts," and then the general's daughter, which has got a picture of John Travolta and his cleft chin looking right at me. <laughs> oh, oh my God! If they kissed in that it's, movie, they, they might like. Does he have an any oh, like a couple of Legos? Yeah, they turn oh, into weird. they turn into time cop when they do that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my there biggest like, my my big thing with her, like as far as roles go, why I had her confused with uh, with the Abyss Lady in this, I don't know. But the Last of the Mohicans oh, is the one that yeah. jumps out for me every time. I loved her in that. I love that movie. I want to watch Last yeah, of the Mohicans like great. right freaking totally now. That. that movie's yeah. great. Can we just all agree? I mean, we're not watching it. Maybe we will. I don't know. But mm-hmm. maybe that is one we should watch. But. That yeah, movie's let's, so. Let's put good. it out there when we're let's, ready for three and a well, half. Let's hour. get through this one first, and then we'll. Uh, <laughs> Oh, we'll discuss about dessert later. You don't want to do a four-hour epic uh, thing? <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, no, no. I see what I'm you're good. saying. I wouldn't mind watching it, though. <laughs> so how many times do I have to look at Bruce Willis's ass? And did Brad Pitt <laughs> also pull down his pants because he felt left out? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of butt. A lot of man butt in this yeah, movie. Yeah, more man Will butt than ass. I remember. Yeah, especially Bruce Willis had multiple man butt. Yeah. Uh, it was always scrubbing like, him. Yeah, like that was like uh, it was difficult. I I can just I can really appreciate those shots of him being uh, scrubbed. Although that's all he had to have hated it. Like there's just no way. <laughs> there's no enjoying when that. You, yeah. you spiky brush getting. Oh. Yeah, and there there's somebody way up above dumping suds downward oh. on it. Like it's just well, not only that, but that. you're you're covered in that weird chalky stuff that's like the disinfectant or whatever while you're up in yeah. the real world, and you know that wasn't a single take. They probably had to goop him up three or four times yeah. and get multiple shots. But of course, <laughs> you know, gotta wash the '90s off you, man. Yeah. Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> blind date. It doesn't come off. <laughs> you gotta wash the blind date off of him. Oh my lord. <laughs> Um, the the movie was originally well okay so none of the promotional stuff or sorry none of the actual script said anything about what year that feature was set in but all the promotional stuff and uh, some earlier script stuff did say that the future scenes all take place in the year twenty thirty five, which would make sense because you would have to calculate if he was eight in ninety six how old would he be somewhere in his forties yeah right and he had been there for eight years at least before he got arrested right. and that was one of the things about the movie i didn't like i i needed like there were times when it repeated itself and i'm like okay you didn't need to tell me that i figured it out but then there were other things where i'm like how far into the future are these people are they in 97 i didn't know mm-hmm. and that bugged me yeah they never the, the, i kind of do wish they would have made more allusions about how far in the future yeah. it was knowing 2035 it, actually helps me but it'd be nice if right. the movie it had itself- to be at least eight years according to the dialogue that was happening because he was arrested and he had been in jail for eight years at that point in time. So mm-hmm. it had to be beyond 96 by eight years. Yeah. So you had at least that as a baseline, but it also right. felt way in the future because everyone's weird and psycho and, and that had, that can't be, that can't be the year 1999. Right. Or 2000. And they never showed, they never really showed anything out of the prison underground, which made you feel like everybody was in, prison there was no way you could avoid it right you didn't see what any of the rest of the underground looked like you, you just saw right. the, the the vacant uh uh over overground right <laughs> overground surface yeah. surface world you know overrun by animals and they said and one, I, they I, said one percent they said one percent of the earth was was survived and that or one percent of humanity rather and there right. if there were five billion they were acting like five billion died i assume 
Well, see, this is the thing. In 95, I think the world population was like six and a half to seven billion. So it's right. Not, it's, and yeah. this this movie, he uses a lot of Gilliam uses uh, a lot of numbering. I mean, five, five is meant to represent something. Six represents something. Twelve, seven. There's a lot of use of 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 numbers. In this oh, film, no, so. don't tell me that. Oh, there is a lot of use of numbers. I would, I would so much rather it just be haphazard and not, not some sort of. You would, hey. you would like it to be, but it's not. You'd like there's it to be, of, but like remember, said, there's a lot of. He throws a lot of stuff in this pot. Not all of it connects, but it's not supposed. This to. is this is Brian. The rain means something in Minority Report. Done. Well, it's no, no, I mean because Gilliam even mentions in the movie and the sources he comes from that is supposed to be very layered and have a lot of things that are. Uh, may may mean something, may not. So he put a lot of things in here uh, that intentionally could mean other things, mm. but they don't necessarily have to be. So do you think this stuff worked better in a movie like Fear and Loathing, where you knew it was drug induced? You know, like in, in this thing, they're trying to they're trying to flatly say, "Here's the modern day, and then here's the future, and the future's pretty weird." Right. Blah, 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 the question that- is, who is uh, the real question? Is who is our uh, omniscient viewer? Is it and and who is actually insane who is the storyteller jose who is the so, storyteller in this so of course like the reason she's a psychiatrist the like that but it was such a trope man such a trope oh, that you're on. gonna bring we're gonna bring somebody who's an expert on the subject along for the ride to make sure that the audience knows what's going on like of course that's like she is your uh, representative of the audience in this thing yeah uh it was just like a little too on the nose to make her a psychiatrist, really? Okay, yeah, but there's not another way for the two of them to to connect for sure. And usually, that's a detective, which is just as tropey, right? Like, sure, uh, like so, so. Okay, I get it. And uh, yes, of course, she's also a very attractive woman, right? Okay, all right, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Age appropriate. I'm not, I'm a, yeah, I don't have a problem with that stuff. It's just that when you put it all together, you know, like part of his job in the movie is to convince her of the nature of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but she's a psychiatrist. She's going to just think he's crazy. Right. Like <laughs> it's just, right. I don't know. There was this oversimplification of who we are and what our motives are that just, uh, I don't know. It never really paid off. Well, the minute she showed up and was doing, you know, talking to him at that little grouping of psychiatrists who are all trying to figure out how to condemn him or do whatever they were going to do. It was, I just went, Oh, okay. Well, she's going to be with him the whole time. Like, and I remember feeling this way in I love that our first introduction to her is she's giving a speech, and there's this girl in the audience who doesn't have her beeper set on silent. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I was so right. mad at that girl. Beepers. No, that was her. Wasn't that her? Her yeah, beeper. Her, yeah. yeah, it was her getting up at the beeper. Okay, right. Someone else is giving the speech. And right, 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 right. Okay. Right, because she gave a speech later. It's easy to mix those two. Yes, yeah. yeah, she got a yeah. beep to come pick up Bruce Willis's naked Exactly. Uh, see Bruce Willis's butt. Yep. He was definitely wearing a condom. I don't understand what exactly <laughs> Gilliam was trying to say at any point in time. But wait it was, a minute, what? a whole body condom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was he? It was. You're saying he was wearing time. a. He wasn't wearing a condom when he was getting hosed down. That's not what you're talking. Well, about. he wore no, he no. wore the lady's uh, jacket that was see through. See, when time traveling once again, you got to be naked. <laughs> don't know why. Uh, but and so he had the only thing that he had access to. He couldn't hide. That was that was always what was going on. He couldn't hide. Yeah. No matter what he wanted to do, yeah. he always had to to be visible. Essentially, yeah, that's true. Uh, by the way, Which Brad, is a, you know, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. What are you going to say? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that's just a, that's just the point of where this character is very vulnerable. I mean, oh, he's, I he's always being naked. Never gets any privacy. 
uh, to that point. Well, check out their tagline that was originally suggested for the film, and it got pulled for obvious reasons, but this was the tagline. The future is in the hands of a man who has none. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They meant no future. They didn't right. mean no hands. No, no hands. hands. No hands. It sounds like he's I'm not got going to no see hands. that. It freaks me out, man. Yeah, so they took it out. That's my favorite trivia in years. I think that's amazing. <laughs> so good. But um, it's hard I, to make up clever things without. It is hard. Stupid. It's not as easy as people think it is. But Brad Pitt. So okay. So Brad Pitt. Uh, we were talking about how he was kind of still considered up and comer, but really that's when he signed on to this. And when he signed on it, he wasn't. He got a relatively small salary. It wasn't the high, it wasn't even close to like the top three highest paid people in the film. But by the time this thing comes out, in the intervening time, he had done Vampire or uh, sorry, Interview with a Vampire. Uh, he did Legends of the Fall. Both those were in '94, but those were contracted well before that. And then Seven in '95 made him the top paid one of the top paid salary actors in the entire freaking business. By the time this movie comes out. But his right. deal was like low because he was still kind of, um, I don't know, what did he do before this? Cool World level uh, uh, yeah. money. Did we ever see Cool World? Cool World money. No, we did not. We talked about it a million times. Yeah. Get it on the list. <laughs> it's already on the list, Brian. We I did. You're right. Say, we have talked I, about it. I thought Bruce Willis was amazing in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. I I understand why Brad Pitt got a, a Oscar nomination, uh, especially mm-hmm. – given that he was kind of out of type, like that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to play a, a different than your usual typecasting. Yeah. But like Bruce Willis, like had to, had to walk this line, right? He had to, he had to seem credible, but also questionably crazy. Yeah. And he did it perfectly. There's, there's a bunch of like physical acting in here. And again, you got to give Gilliam credit for directing that out of him, right? Where he, where, when you're not supposed to be trusting Bruce Willis entirely, he gets a little stiff. His arms get a little crooked, you know? Right. And it's just like, there's little things like that that are beautiful in this movie. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. He's really good in it. I'm trying to think of a thing, um, that he's more, I don't know. Bruce Willis has been in a lot of movies, maybe Sixth Sense or something. But where where you yeah, really? It sucks that we've all seen Sixth Sense first. Like yeah. I wish I could I could have seen <laughs> this in its place. You know, yeah. all I see is dead I people. When he said that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He oh yeah, he did say that, didn't he? That's yeah. Weird. All yeah, I see did. is dead people. I was like, ah, he said the thing, but he yeah. didn't say right. another movie. But still, it's close enough. But he didn't know, or did he? Because he's up. really from Looper, and he's been to Whoa. the future. Ah. Right. Yeah, that was weird. We're used to like last week. It was Schwarzenegger saying stuff that we all have heard him say when he was younger. But in this one, it was a film he hadn't made yet, and it, that right. was just a weird thing right. to hear. But uh, yeah, it's well, uh, he didn't. And, and Haley Joel Osment really said the line, "I see dead people." Exactly, that's what I say. So, yeah, yeah, good yeah. point. But that's but see, that's the thing. This movie is trying to convince you from his source material that it was inspired by, as well as the movie itself, that the things that you see is always the same thing. But every time you observe it. You observe it differently, just like the scene in the airport. It was it was that they could he could very easily just made it the same scene every time. But they shot it differently. Yeah, mm-hmm. every right. Time to, they showed it different you, perspectives to give yeah. you more information. Uh, like that's 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 what I'm talking about. There's this uh, understanding that there's an audience for this mm-hmm. that that goes real deep in this movie, 
And so every time you see the airport scene, you're getting more information. You're slowly finding out, oh, David Morse is in here. Hmm. And the next time you see it, you're like, you you have come to realize that it's probably, the kid is probably Bruce Willis. And you Mm -hmm. didn't know that the first time you saw it. It was just a kid. I was worried that Ricky, I was worried that Bruce Willis was actually Ricky Newman in the hole (laughs) for a while. I'm like, wait, (laughs) is he the kid in the hole too? Uh, In the barn. Brian, not kidding. The whole he's in the barn. Yeah, he's in the barn. See the barn. He was living two realities. That's right. I didn't. I, I didn't know where that was going. There's a lot of misdirection. We've we've said that, but one of the right. biggest. I heard a joke on Twitter. Somebody replied to the film sack account. I cannot find it. I was going to try to find it and read it verbatim, but it went something like this. Here's his favorite joke about that movie: uh, Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Christopher Plummer. Doesn't really matter who. Walk into a walk bar. into a bar. The bartender <laughs> is played. By Brad Pitt, but that doesn't matter at all. And that's the joke. That's the entire joke. Because Brad Pitt it. didn't matter at all. In the end, it freaking it was the biggest misdirect mis- mulligan yeah. of all yeah, time. Misdirection. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. MacGuffin, not mulligan. Mulligan's when you get to do your shot over right. at golf. Well, uh, and again, MacGuffin. Again, we've seen MacGuffin. so many great thrillers. Red herring. This. <laughs> yeah, red herring. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we've seen so many great thrillers since this that didn't do that. And that's, my, you know, that like, again, that's just a, a little thing that was kind of stuck in my craw. Like, can't, why, you know, he had source material. They added a lot to this, you know, French short film. And like, why add that? You know what I mean? Like, why, why, why add something purposelessly? Uh, it's just kind of again. I came away like like, like the twelve monkeys part with Brad Pitt or adding something. The, adding the fake or the 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 red herring. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I just because it, it for the whole movie gives you something to to look classic at. Classic movie, misdirected by. Yeah, and then you find out. Oh my god, this thing that like the whole army of the twelve monkeys is this circular thing that came from him that he was trying to find out from, but it was his knowledge of it. It, you know, right. the 12 monkeys exists because he made it exist. Yeah. I it's, I'm torn on this one because the movie already has two or three of these. And mm-hmm. so this was just like another one. And this one just felt like, okay, great. You've taken a major character from this thing and to put a major twist on him, And then you've just thrown him out with the, with the, with the bathwater. Right. Like, just right. seems like no big deal. And I know but, it's not the first it, time this has happened. I know this happens a lot. But it also movies. points yeah. to how the the future, you know, there, there are things that will happen that we just won't know and we'll make assumptions based on what we've seen. Because the 12 Monkeys, uh, Brad Pitt's group releasing all of the animals and locking Dad in the cage all happened around the time of the virus release. And they did the we did it signs and all that. Yeah. Um, all happened at the same time future just assumed that those things were related right and it's kind of a cool you know another cool perspective yeah right. exactly it turns into truth yeah. it's uh there's a lot like i said there's a lot of things that gilliam throws in here a lot of questions and i i they're intentionally not meant to be answered right but they are fun for they can be they can be discussion. uh the, the, the i will give them credit for this because i'd even forgotten how it went but the idea the the twist at the end is actually kind of hard to see coming until he puts the mustache and the long hair on. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, they never never reveal that it's him. Right, but him yeah. since they focus so much on, you know, it's like a magic trick. It's like look at this hand, and that hand is oh, he's a little kid then. It's in the nineties, and he sees this dude getting shot as he's running down the the airport thing, trying to chase this guy with a briefcase for who knows why. 
and he witnesses it. Oh, man. And they do a great job of making that seem like that's the Bruce Willis. That's that's the whole origin of his, like, you know, all of his problems and where things were headed. You never once think, oh, the guy running in the horrible shirt and the bad mustache is, is him. You never think mm-hmm. that. And then even later, yeah. they confuse it more by one of his dreams has Brad Pitt in that role. And it's like right. it's and at the end. I was like, oh, right. I mean, I've even seen was, this and I forgot that that's how this ends up, that he's the guy. I thought it was interesting that I, I wanted to the, the next part that I wanted to see was the continued folly to try to change history by Dr. Rayleigh uh, trying to approach Bruce Willis's child character to let him know what needs to be mm. done and that mm. that could resolve because she locks eyes with him in the airport and realizes yeah. that that that's him, right? And, um, and so she has another opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, change the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so. uh, we haven't. I don't think we've talked enough about this writer because it's it's so well written. Like all of the all of this dialogue and the way the you know the characters like uh, treat each other, mm-hmm. very very well well written. Um, forgetting his name, David Peoples. David Peoples mm-hmm. is, is our writer here, and I mean we're talking about one of the most successful and famous writers in the history right. of Hollywood. Right. And it was David yeah. Peoples in his, was it his wife as well? Because he, he co-wrote with somebody, right? Was it? Yeah. The, Janet, Janet Peoples. Right. I'm assuming wife. I could be wrong. With her husband, David Peoples. Yep. Peoples. Um, they're the Peoples. Uh, I can't get over how many film sack films have come <laughs> out of David Peoples. <laughs> Seriously. I feel like, yeah. I feel like we've sacked Unforgiven. I, have we? I don't know. No, no we have no. not. But we no. did. No, we talk about it a lot. Yeah, recently yeah. it's come up a lot. Blade Runner, Blade Runner, of course. We've Lady done Hawk. Lady Hawk. Yeah. I think Soldier, we went. Deep, I think we talked a lot about Unforgiven on um, uh, the t- not Outlaw Josie Wales, the other one. Good, good, the dead and the monkey. What is it? <laughs> good, the dead and the monkey. Uh, good, the bad and the and the ugly. That's it. Yeah. Uh, when we watched that, we did a lot of references okay. to that. But I would love to get. Well, it's another three and a half hour movie, so maybe not. But it, but I love Unforgiven so much. Oh my gosh! The, I mean, the any main thing, excuse the main I need is, to watch that—that'd be great. Um, in, in terms of dialogue, those movies all go together like yeah. perfectly, mm-hmm. and and this one does too. Like the 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 way dialogue works in this movie, it's very similar to Unforgiven and Blade Runner. Oh my gosh, I thought yeah. about Blade Runner fifty times yeah. during yeah. this movie. But I also thought about the game. Did anybody else think about the movie The Game? Uh, that the, I didn't. But um, the, the Michael Douglas. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I was surprised to find there really isn't any connective tissue between those two movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept thinking of it. It just kept coming to mind. Yeah, that's weird. Well, I mean, part right. of it is you're, you're, there's a facade happening and you're trying to decide if you're crazy or not. And the game is all about whether Michael Douglas is losing right. it or not. Is this it's really happening? Control. Am I imagining it happening? Yeah, yeah. Right. We did watch that one. That one is definitely. We did. We absolutely did. Uh, one of my favorite, one of the microbiologist guys is this actor named Bill Raymond. And you all know him from a thousand things. Um, I just want to shout out to that dude. He's still with us. Born in 38. Old dude. Uh, he was dude. in Lincoln. He was He's in that the, Michael Clinton Is he movie. the main guy that's like... Uh, um, Are you talking about the Why is she defensive? Why is she so defensive? Isn't she being defensive? That guy? That yeah, I think it's that. Yes, that guy. That's the yeah. dude. And yeah, the yeah. '96 psychiatrist. Is that is it, no? That's not. That's not the guy. Right? No, no, no. He played. Hold on. He played microbiologist. Is how he was. So uh, in the future. Yeah, yeah. He's well. No, oh, he's in he's the past. Future. I think. I think he's in the past. 
No, Bill Raymond is the future guy. I think I think the other guy is. Uh, now I have those two confused, but I really like that yeah. actor. And I'm it's just... easy though because that's intentional. There is a a reflection of characters in the future to the psychiatrist in the present. So I mean, they're yeah, like that was on purpose, right? They were kind of yeah, trying to one to one. Oh, that's also the, that's I, the twelve. Never mind. Speaking of okay, I got a chick in the bucket. Maybe we'll find out. Grab a bucket. But I think that weird bald. Dude, who we heard in the intro, this guy. He's got a history, Doctor. Bye. Also, he called He's him Yachter. Anyway, Vernon Campbell. Why do you think he called him Yachter? Hold on, let me hear that again. He's got a history, Doctor. He says Yachter. <laughs> He's from He's from Jersey. <laughs> what do you want? He's he just doesn't Jersey. pronounce the D, just carries the Y over from the end of history. Got a history, Doctor. Yeah, but they always make it seem like he's going to be a major, like, sub-boss or something. Or, you know, something right, weird's right. going to happen with him. He just never panned out. And there's, and there's a reflection of those two characters as well, uh, both in the past and the future. There's like two enforcers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and he's the same guy, though, right? Do I have that right? I don't think. No, I think it's played by two different characters. I think it's the same it's dude. The and he's traveling. Be right. It says use the other elevator. And it's I, the same guy. I, I think it's the same guy. He's just time traveling. He's like, he's like Jose. He's it, just making yeah. sure Bruce Willis is doing what he's supposed to do and then checks in on him once in a while. I'm pretty sure that's the same right. guy. I, it probably is. Like I said, they, they flashed up so fast. I only got to watch this one time and it was... It was intentionally meant to make you question. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, what's going on? Am I why is that guy affected by the time travel memory loss sickness? Business? Right, <laughs> because yeah. he's in on it. Because he he's in on it. I don't know if I want ever want to see Bruce Willis drool again. I'm done with that. Oh, yeah, man, actually, I just knew. I believe <laughs> that that's what grossed Scott out the most is not necessarily him drooling, <laughs> the but the fact that uh, Brad Pitt had to handle. You know, even yeah. if it's glycerin, yeah, it still was in Bruce Willis's mouth, and and Brad Pitt is like yeah. handling yeah. it like he's testing the spaghetti. Do see if it's done? Testing the spaghetti. Gross. <laughs> I, it, okay, you're not wrong, but it tied this week for one other oh. thing. Oh, not, not eating the spider. No, uh, that was, totally. oh, that's, they that can was fake cool. that. That's but no big deal. Handling that damn spider. Handling the spider was freaking real, and that freaked me out. Yeah, I don't like handling a spider. That's because that's a that's a really wicked looking spider, or even that big roach, or any of that stuff. I just oh, the guessing roach. Yeah. Ooh, what about the what about the thing where uh, she throws open the bathroom door and uh, Bruce Willis has yeah. yanked the teeth out of the mouth? Of, did he bite the teeth out of the mouth of the gigolo that attacked them? I don't no, know. he pulled his own teeth. He pulled out. his own teeth right? out to freak him out. That was the out. way that they could pull him back to yeah, the future. Right. Yeah. I don't know okay. why he had to do it in front of the. <laughs> the chigolo, but so well he did it so <laughs> the that pimp. there could be screaming on the other side of the door. Right, and, uh, right. I'm gonna show you something. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. They tied with the. It was a very brief moment, and I actually put it in our Discord yesterday, so you guys can see it. But there's a early scene where the camera's panning past the holding cell at the psycho ward, and there is a guy sitting there in a red jacket, like a Michael Jackson jacket, with his sleeves rolled oh, up. Oh yeah, bit. yeah. He just had barfed all over himself. Oh, all over he the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's yeah and it's going down. Yeah, I didn't see the already Ooh. found what grossed me out the most. But now that I see that, it, it's like, oh, well, uh, that probably duh. should have been my yeah. guess. But so we had I was kind of grossed we out a- with Brad Pitt flipping his birdie finger all in his front of his teeth. That was kind of like, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's a gross. He place was good with the middle it. finger, though. He was good with that thing. He was always oh, he was that so out. Good. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and rank it among the best bird throwing in the history of film. I think he is a good yes. bird flipper. Uh, I'm trying to think of a better one. I can't. I can't do it. Nope. Impossible. Yeah. Lots of birds. I liked his I liked his uh, his fake eye contact. I need one of those. It's always pointing down. 
Oh, oh yeah, they said it. that he had to wear this really uncomfortable custom eye piece thing, and I wasn't sure yeah. if that was the case or if someone's making that up. But was that real? Was he? No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No one can look. There's down nothing like that. that makes you look crazier than your eyes right. going off. And, then one eye drooping. And, <laughs> and actually, it was so good. It was so well portrayed that I actually had a moment where I was like, "Is Brett? How does is Brett he have? Does he actually have bad eyes? Right. I'm right." Not, like I didn't know for just an instant. I yeah. actually thought about other Brad Pitt movies. I'm like, yeah, no, no, those are that's just an, a prosthetic. There's no way I wouldn't have noticed Brad Pitt <laughs> doing that or being like that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. We're only like what two years away from Fight Club or something. Is that right? Yeah, I thought this right. was Fight Club. This wasn't Fight Club. <laughs> I thought Bruce Willis was. Well, you're not supposed to talk yeah. about it, so how would we even know? Because oh, you're right? not supposed to talk about Fight Club. Oh, I thought Brad Pitt was Bruce Willis. Let me double check no, that because right. I, I think that year <laughs> I have that year in my head right. Uh, Ninety nine, I thought was Fight Club. You might be right. Afterwards, um, yeah. two thousand, definitely ninety nine. Why is? Oh, Thanks, Rain Man. Definitely. <laughs> I just remember. I remember where I saw it. Oh, you're how many right. picks did we yeah. drop on the ground? It was ninety nine. Okay. Oh, and Snatch was two thousand. Oh man. Uh, and the Mexican is terrible. Don't watch that. All right. Anyway, nah. the point is, uh, there is no point. I wasn't making a point. Okay. <laughs> so right. We we established what grossed me out. So well done, everybody. We we did it. Yeah. Uh, here's the funny, uh, ironic thing about this movie. Everything looks yeah. like it has a layer of, of goopy ash on it, right? It looks like a tool video yeah. everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ironically, if you ever look this up, uh, Utah has a phenomenon that doesn't happen very often, but because the Great Salt Lake is a uh, and the salt flats are these huge prehistoric, you know, uh, places. Uh, normally, this time of the year, there's enough snow out there that when there's a storm, it's just snow on top of this this uh, salt. But when there's not a lot of snow on the ground and a big storm comes in with a lot of wind, salt gets sucked up into the sky. And then when precipitation happens or snow, the snow brings all that snalt, salt down. Snalt. Snalt. And then you go outside the day after and everything's covered in what looks like mud uh, or like gray, like almost like an, uh, like a volcano Weird. went off and everything got right. wet. And that happened right when I'm watching this movie. So I'm just weird. saying it's a little bit weird to watch this and then go outside, take care of the dogs or whatever, and just see this thick... 12 monkeys layer of shit on everything. And it was just a weird, it was weird, man. It was like film sack was in my real life. It was really weird. Was, was there a single Divergent. scene in this movie that was pretty? I, I, I was trying oh, to think of one. Yeah. The, the snow at the very beginning when he goes topside and the humans have all disappeared. I think that was, well, I don't know, know it but pretty. it wasn't, it wasn't depicted as pretty. That was like, everything is broken and they're like overgrown and so on. I thought it was beautiful. Maybe it's just, it's a beautiful, I don't know. I'm not asking if, if there was something you thought was beautiful. I'm right. asking if there was something that was portrayed as beautiful. Like usually that's a, that's a common thing in, in these like dirty, ugly, broken down movies is that you, there's something and you're supposed to be drawn to it. This, well, he loves, you know, this, he loved, uh, you're right. Cause there were like when he's breathing in the air and saying, Oh, I've never, mm-hmm. oh, the air or whatever. And, and she's like, whatever. We're in like the dankest room in this place, and yeah, it's gross in here. But what about the so. dank? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that scene. That is that is my most memorable thing in the movie. That yeah. scene, because mm-hmm. he's because he's so freaking interested in. Hey, he he does it in other scenes too, right? Like he's really really interested in music. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. certain songs that he just right. adores. What was he listening? Oh, I was like, um. No, uh, uh, can't think of the name. Blueberry right, yeah, Hill, yeah, Blueberry Hill, yeah. Blueberry Hill, yeah. and 
what a wonderful world that one and yeah Louis Armstrong. Yeah. Yep. So he apparently was really into stuff his parents were into because he would have been a 90s kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because in 95 or 96 or whatever, he's in the airport. He's a little yep. kid. So technically, this is like some kid. If he went home, he'd have a Genesis on his TV and freaking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, that's and, and a weird way the, to think of that. Of course, but. the movie. Uh, I don't, I don't want to hate putting stuff like this on Terry Gilliam solely, but. It, the movie seems like Terry Gilliam is a really, really old man. And so, like, so like the the you know the technology in the movie is yeah. all supposed to be frozen in basically the late eighties. Yeah. <laughs> it's right, kind of right. kind of what we're getting, and it would have been very, very interesting if a Sega Genesis had been <laughs> a part of this. But like I say, Terry Gilliam's an old man. He doesn't know from Sega Genesis. That doesn't mean right. anything to well, him. Hold on. He probably butchered a few game gears to right. make that interrogation uh, robot. Yeah, good yeah. point. According to the trivia, they said that Terry Gilliam's only request for the set design decoration was that they found things that were uh, prior to the 90s, um, mm-hmm. meaning that they basically looted like old old like underground so anything they could find that was basically trashed so but yeah well so terry, terry gilliam was, was born guy. in 1940 that would have made him what let's see 55 50 yeah old guy old guy i mean that is I, that's interesting i don't think of him as that old but i guess he is every yeah. now and then older than that now i know it may surprise you <laughs> <laughs> time keeps going yeah time keeps ticking for sure one, one of the most engaging things on social media that i can think of is people constantly asking a, a question that gets you to somehow define your age your generation mm-hmm. uh, especially different from other ages and generations and mine has come to be i grew up in the generation that made and went to car stereo stores uh-huh. that's the mm, uh, like, like there really weren't car stereo stores before a certain moment they were really big and popular for about a decade and yeah. then they stopped being necessary or something yeah. <laughs> and man car stereo store was so freaking important to me when i was uh, 18 years old and i i didn't have a good car i had friends who had like mm-hmm. really badass cars for uh, beefing up the stereo in there but i didn't i had a an 81 ford escort was my car yeah. for a long time and i man i packed that piece of crap with big speakers and a, did you go, did you go to a, did you go to a boom off and get your db tested and- <laughs> no i i i, I did. didn't really care about that kind of i was i was like super selfish about you know what i like i wanted to sit in my car and listen to music yeah. but um the anyway the the we scene like where the cars the scene where he reaches forward <laughs> and changes the channel on her car stereo just like really stuck with me yeah you know what right. that that is uh funny i think there's a name i think we all can relate to a period where a car stereo store was cool or at least the section at mm-hmm. ultimate electronics or wherever you went and they had a whole zone City, and then a room yeah. you could go into where it was like soundproofed and push push buttons next to each stereo yeah, so you can right. hear the difference yeah would you uh, like to go deaf come on in you guys all have uh stereos where you had the face plate you had to pop off stick into oh a yeah you gotta take it with you and then carry it around with you wherever you, you want somebody will rob it yeah you it don't was, want your yeah, car that was to get like robbed. the number one uh theft fear that you had back then for sure. i want yeah. to hear from from you if you're under 35 and you're listening to this i want to know <laughs> because like seriously it's so it just seems really specific to yeah, me yeah. you know yeah. it was and then now i mean that's those still exist like mm-hmm. they're yeah. there it's just not the cultural it's not in popular culture thing. as much as yeah. it was no i mean right now out. you just get the the unit inside your car that has a a display 
but really it's really just there so that you can see the things on your phone when you plug your phone into it and right. access all that stuff. Yeah. I, I remember walking in there going, how would my <laughs> Alice in Chains CD sound in this? Let's hear Rooster right. in here. And, and I would crank it as loud as I could. And yeah. we thought that was so for cool. Me, for me, it was a collective soul album and the song was called heavy and it was wonderful because it starts out stereo split. And so you could really tell the difference. You could tell if like one side wasn't installed correctly. Hmm. No wonder you didn't go to the boom offs. <laughs> or or you go <laughs> in there with the, uh, Children of the Sun by Billy Thorpe. That was my oh, how nice. to test speakers. Uh, I had audio. I had Telarc disc. What are you talking about? Oh, I know the Telarc discs. Of course, Telarc discs yeah. were great for testing your sound. Well, if you use like a Beatles song, even you could do it because they have all that split stereo stuff. Yeah. I, the stuff I hate just to listen to randomly, but is a good way to test your left and rights. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Bulldog by the Beatles. Good yeah. good uh, speaker test right there. Yep. I never understood. I'm, I'm also just old enough to care about Bang & Olufsen. Like, I still mm. kind of want a B&O stereo system in my home. I, I, don't, and I don't think it's necessary. I really, yeah. really, really don't. But I'm just there. It's still lingering in the back of my mind. Now, so if you don't just want to be able to is. mount it on the wall and have the... Yeah. Slide right. over and expose the uh, the disc. Yeah. <laughs> You've never heard of that before. It sounded like what Randy just said is, I really still would like to bang somebody <laughs> named Olafson. <laughs> some some uh, Swedish guy named Olafson. Yeah, me yeah, and Olafson. They, and they probably call it Bong and Olafson, which yeah. doesn't help. No, it doesn't help at all. It just takes us to a whole new place. Bang and Olafson. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to do? Uh, let's do clips. Uh, I have some clips. Couple, couple things yeah. before clips that I noticed that we never got around to. Uh, I do love the fact that they, the only time travel they show is just the plunger shooting them through yeah, into the Oculus time. shape. Right. Yeah. We don't get the um, the Terminator ball of electricity or the Sam right. quantum leap. It, and see, it it reflects it reflects the idea of an MRI machine. He even stops. Yeah, uh, and looks yeah. at the MRI machine in modern times, and I, I, that's another question: What's reality? Yeah, Is, yeah am right. I just imagining all this? Right. It took me a long time to figure out how he got out of the jail cell in the mental institution. Mm. A long time. Yeah. I like he, they're looking up at the fan above in the ceiling, and I'm like, Yeah, how did yeah. You get through that, I'm thinking Boy. of Die Hard, right? Right. Like, how did he? Like seriously, I was minutes later. It occurred. <laughs> you think he's up oh. an event going? Uh, come to the past. We'll have a few laughs. Right. <laughs> you were looking for posters on the wall. He's climbing through the sewage. You can't find him. Yeah. We'll get together, have drinks. It'll be great. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see. All oh the all the old people actors in the mental institution had to uh, get bopped on the head and pushed around by Brad Pitt as he's walking around. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So you know all these people have grandkids that are like, oh yeah, my my grandma got bopped on the head by uh, Brad Pitt in Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> and he wasn't then, like soft had, either. He was like, like some of those people got whacked. But anyway, they really did. Yeah, yeah. And he just yells at them. And yeah. Uh, last thing was uh, uh, posters for the band Muse. That I saw really, that. Was that for the band? It's Maybe? not for the band, but it's their okay. it's their font. It's right. their yeah. You know, it was a concert poster, but I had to look it up, and it's like the band was around in 1995, but it it's not the band's poster, and it's weird. just such a weird coincidence. Okay. That, that is yeah. weird. Ibbet, Ibbet, did you go to the Muse concert at BlizzCon? Yes. My gosh, they're good in. in oh, person. they're so good. Oh, they're yeah, good. I, I really like. I, I made they're a mix of their music. Like basically, I took the concert. Did you bring list. your dad? 
<laughs> no, I didn't bring my dad. I basically got the set list after the concert and made a mix because that was such a great concert. I wanted to listen oh, to. Oh, you uh, did it the legal the studio way. Studio version. Yeah, the legal way. Brian practice. is always doing I, it the legal way. That's how he does it. I pulled, I pulled it off of Setlist FM and and made a Spotify playlist out yeah. of the concert because it was yeah. so good. They're awesome. They really are. So I good. used to confuse them with Blur. We've had this conversation. I know they're oh, nothing like Blur. Woohoo! But I still, yeah, woohoo! I keep, I still get those. I do it every time. <laughs> Don't know why. Just mix them up. Um, all right. Let's do clips. Right. Yeah, no, we do clips. Oh, and I, I, the only other thing I wanted to say is just imagine a naked Bruce Willis showing up in your foxhole in the middle of a fight with the Germans and the mustard right. gas and everything else. What a weird concept that is. Just naked mm-hmm. Bruce Willis in the middle of World War One. People are dying left and right. Freaking Jose. Jose's there for who knows why. Like, what a weird, <laughs> memorable scene. All right. Clips. Yeah. Here are some clips. Um, and I'll give you to start with this one. Uh, this sounds like Ninja Go to me. Okay, so just listen to what happens. Here you go. Ninja Go. All right. He sounds like he says Ninja <laughs> so he's Go. He's talking Ninja about the Lego. Go. Yeah, he's talking about the Lego thing. Uh, oh, the Jago. Ninjago. Uh, okay. Ninja Go. What do you? What's your favorite toy, Bruce Willis from the future? Ninja Go. Okay, great. We need to go. Oh, is that what he's saying? Do we need right. to come up with a yeah. competitor to Pokemon Go? What should we call it? <laughs> need to go. go. Can't stay. No talk. Ninja must leave. Ninja go. <laughs> All right. Here's uh, some audio I got from uh, from your prom. But this actually came from the girl you're with. Uh, this isn't your mom, Brian. This is from your the girl. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, and uh, so, Oh, and somebody had said on a camera email, maybe they said, Hey, you never say whether Brian's date was a girl or a dude. I uh, just, we'll make it clear. Brian, Brian <laughs> likes the ladies. Okay. Yeah. He I like the ladies. ladies. Anyway, this we'll is see. somebody else in your group was making fun LL of your cool B. Yeah. LL cool B. There you go. Someone was making fun of your tux and this was your response. And somehow someone caught it on tape. So this is your response when they made fun of your tux. They were, they said it was just way too like, I don't know of a certain decade. And this is what okay. you said. This is 1990. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I went along with that. That would have been that. about right. I mean, it was 1988. I think I did go to a prom in 1990 after I was in well, college. I went that back. blue tuxedo screams 1990. I went back to a prom Powder when blue. I was Baby blue. 20 yeah. something. I can't remember what it was. Or maybe I chaperoned. I can't remember what happened. I was back in my old high school prom space, though, for, yeah, I guess I mm-hmm. chaperoned for some somebody. <laughs> I yeah, I went to proms when I was a junior, a senior, and then my first year of college with different. So there's a lot of audio out there is what, what I'm trying oh, to say. I can't wait to hear one from when you were in college and she was. I, uh, mm. No, I mean, you've probably played it, Scott, is oh, what I'm saying. Oh. Is that it, you know, <laughs> oh. Because of all the proms I went to, yeah. there's, uh, there's one much of audio out there. <laughs> oh, that's not. I, I chaperoned one of my niece's proms uh, in Round Rock, Texas in oh. the. 2000s i don't remember exactly when and uh it was like my brother-in-law was supposed to chaperone at this thing and then he ended up in the hospital and so i went and uh my god my god uh everybody everybody at that thing looked like britney spears (laughs) that's it sounds like an aughts before uh, or after they had shave yeah. Before, <laughs> before i hope okay all right all right uh oops she did it again all right here's a here's the thing here's oh uh, brad pitt made a lot of weird random noises and here's one of them ah. all right there's one of them it's pretty good uh here he is going off which is probably why i got nominated this kind of dialogue here always requesting shows that are already played yes no 
You have to tell her before. He couldn't quite grasp the idea that the charge nurse couldn't make it be yesterday. She couldn't turn back time. Thank you, Einstein. Now he, he was nuts. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, the only person who is nuts is those who time travel. That's right. Mm -hmm. Or expect time travel. They expect time travel to work, yeah. I do remember feeling very frustrated in this viewing while he was trying to explain what he was there for and what was supposed to happen and how that sounds totally normal if you're the time traveler, but to the people there, and this is always true, right? Like somebody's got to tell you some fantastical tale and it just sounds stupid because you don't have the perspective. But in this particular Bruce Willis trying to explain to those psychiatrists what he was there for just sounded so crazy. And I remember just, I, I felt frustrated. It's just like, mm. damn it. Mm. What can you yeah. say? You can't say anything. Like, what are you going to say? Yeah. Uh, everyone's going to die in four years from a giant virus. Five billion people. You sound crazy. Yeah, you don't. That. You don't say it. It's a trick. You just go, "Hi, I'm good. I just had a, some bad drugs. I'm good now. Yeah, Can I go now. Yeah. If I would have told people in 2018 <laughs> and predicted in just two years there'll be a pandemic and it right. will be this and that and the, all these little details like this, you'd all laugh. If me you out learned of the room. anything, don't tell your psychiatrist people. Yeah. The truth. That's right. Tell them a lie. Yeah. Tell right. them a lie. Yeah. Exactly. Lie to your psychiatrist. That's what we're saying. That's good yeah. advice. Here's a weird Brad Pitt laugh. All right. <laughs> the video that goes along with that moment is great because That's his eyes are rolling around like one of the gremlins that we saw a few weeks ago. Gremlins too. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, just I realize that this is the first time, but it felt like every other Brad Pitt portrayal after this like it felt like meet joe black and yeah. like, like i know there's not a lot but it just felt to me like oh this is all he does he's you know he's deranged I mean, and it's fight very tyler durden yeah i mean tyler durden kind of you're not your khakis you are not the contents of your wallet you know there's a very jeffrey goins kind of feel mm. to to tyler durden yeah, uh, for sure. The the big the 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 big take or let's see the 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 big differing one I would say would be like seven, where he's mm -hmm. yeah he's playing that pretty straight, just like a cocky cop mm -hmm. thing. Cocky cop this week on cocky cop. Cocky cop. <laughs> All right, here's um uh, oh this is this is him wanting someone to do a thing for him. Get out of my chair! All right, get out of my chair. <laughs> We are all monkeys. We're all monkeys. That was the top of the thing. Oh, here's one I called Dr. Mouth Click. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Weird. So Flip this it. is a Terry Gilliam thing, I'm sure. Um, goes into that room trying to find Bruce Willis, and this is what he made the sound he made. <laughs> I really don't like that. I wanted to gift that. That was one of the Thank ones you. I wanted to gift. Yeah. Thank you for not saying that's audio from my prom night. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been so much better. Try it again. Try it again. <laughs> Uh, we have full edit, you know. I can go back and retell that story. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a, a da, uh, drugs and women. I don't know what this is. Here it is. What'd you do with your time, Cole? Did you waste it on drugs, women? Thanks, Dad. Jeez. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, David Morris shows up, says some things. People always think we say Morris. It's not. It's Morse. Like M-O-R-S-E, I believe is how you spell it. Morse code. Like the code. Yeah. Love him. He's he's mm -hmm. one year. It's weird that this is a year after The Rock, where he was so different in The Rock. But he's just great in everything, dude. He Have is. you ever watched that yeah. Sam Adams or uh, not Sam Adams? Uh, um, who's there? Who's the second president? I can't think of his name. John, John Adams. Adams. Jeez. John Adams. The, the, yeah, Giamatti. 
Yeah, if you ever uh, watched that, he played he played Washington, and I, it's one of the most memorable things ever. He's so good hmm. in that. Anyway, here he is saying words. I think Dr. Rayleigh, you've given the alarmists a bad name. I have. Mm-hmm. Surely there's very real and very convincing data that the planet cannot survive the excesses of the human race. I would have known he was creepy from the get-go, dude. Yeah. Yeah. If the ponytail didn't give it to you before he even right. opened his mouth. Right, right. Uh, I want to call Madeline Stone, ask her about this pronunciation. It's an advertisement, Mr. Cole. It's an advertisement. Stop. It's an advertisement, it's an advertisement. It's an advertisement Mr. Cole. I think, she, I think she just got out of finishing school in England. <laughs> For alu- aluminum foil. <laughs> Send it down with the monkey into the hole. <laughs> into the hole? Into the hole. <laughs> Oh, that killed me. All right. Um, oh, here's the dead people thing. All I see is dead people. All I see is dead people. Nice. Oh, little did you know. It. He's about to see that'd be. He's four, er, five years away from hearing that from the little kid. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's also weird to think that was only five years. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Plummer walks in the room. The great actor. We haven't said quite enough about him yet, but. Uh, gonna miss that dude he, the last thing i saw him in was knives out and he was incredible oh, in it. so good in that yeah. yeah so uh really bummed to hear about his passing but here is his line or his first line i think uh well, well, would that i could enjoy this opulent dinner and this most uh stimulating and exciting company for itself with no sense of purpose but alas i am burdened that guy's great why is he the Colonel Sanders of germs? <laughs> what is that all about? Because <laughs> he puts 11 herbs and spices that kill you fortnightly, Jagger. That's right. Any chance it gets to do that one, he, he likes to do that one. <laughs> Anybody have a favorite old Christopher Plummer performance? If you don't count Knives Out, I'll say, um, and this, and I mean this unironically because I really do think it's great. It's Shakespearean. Um, but his role in Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country as the as the eye patched lawyer for the Klingons yeah, yeah. is so memorable. It's so good. Um, I've been tempted to, after his death. I was like, you know, I really should watch Star Trek VI again because there is a point where Gr- Worf's grandfather, played by uh, Michael Dorn, yeah. s- squares off in a Klingon court setting. To be the pub, there basically he's basically the public defender for Kirk and uh, McCoy and I forgot who's all there Spock maybe, and then um, the the prosecution is played by Christopher Plummer and he's so good. It's got, it's got Kim Cattrall as a Vulcan prototype for the Maquis. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's so many things in that movie. I a bunch of people movie. online watched it last night. Yeah, like a, a whole lot of people on Twitter decided to organize this viewing of that movie and tweeted about it. Uh, it it's just like yeah you you picked a really really good one. I have to go with Sound of Music though. Like that is my sure. that is my forever thought of Christopher Plummer. That's where he then I'll balance up a... things out and say Dragnet. There you go. Dragnet. Oh, <laughs> the uh, leader of the uh, <laughs> yeah the the, pa- the, the pagans. <laughs> oh right. Oh yeah. And we even watched that. We should remember that. Yeah, that's that's a great pull. He, I mean, he did a lot of crap roles, which is weird. Given he did, but he brought out something I really good out of the crap roles. Yeah, I liked his voice acting work. I liked him in Nine mm. as number one, but he's also did some video game stuff too that 
Yeah. You could just say he was in anything, like for voice yeah. acting. Like you, I could just say he. Well, you know, he was great in Ratatouille, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, Ratatouille, sure. Like yeah. because his voice was so <laughs> useful, it could go anywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's there's something about him. Um, Frank Gorshin was in this, by the way. Hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed. Really? He played Doctor Fletcher, the Riddler. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now that's I knew the f- Arthur Dent was in this, but I didn't know Frank Gorshin was. Pretty sure it's the fu- one of the future doctors, but I, I could. Yeah, be. one of the other future doctors is Arthur Dent yeah. from the Hitchhikers TV. Yep. Um, I was trying to find. Let's see. Yeah, I can't find it. Uh, oh, Which, it ironically, I watched the first part of this movie in the hotel and oh, big yeah. screen TV and really, really nice setup. But they had their TV set with that dumb blur motion oh, setting so it looks like everything off? is Doctor Who. Hmm. No, they don't let you. There's oh, no way to get no. into the settings of uh, hotel TV if it's a if it's a regular, you know, if it's a oh. hotel worth its salt. Because otherwise, it'd be a great joke to like put you it on. You don't bring your own universe where remote control <laughs> programmable remote? Closed captioning. No, I, I really don't. I don't know why I don't. But yeah. it was actually, what was really cool about it is that um, you got onto the hotel Wi-Fi and then scanned a QR code that it displayed on your TV. And then you could go into any of your video apps and Chromecast it to what was called room Four Twenty Five TV. Oh and my so, God. Are you also so, divergent? It's very divergent. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, so it's just so, so easy. Like you just basically said, so Oh, okay, easy. cool. I'm, I'm Chromecasting this to the TV and you could do other things on your iPad, like take notes on the movie while it was playing in another this app. made my mom cry saying that was easy my yeah. god my mom would lose her oh poop. my mom my mom would well if she had cry. to do all that yeah i mean you could still watch local channels oh, you just and... get onto your chromecast and you just, <laughs> it's, just it wasn't over. the it wasn't the only thing the only way to watch any tv it was an option <laughs> from the menu that also said watch live local tv and cable channels and all that right. sure. oh god we I are was, doomed the last time I stayed in an Airbnb in the before times, yeah. uh, the TV had a whole, uh, they had a, some, I don't know what the box was, but they had a box on it where you turned on the TV and it was like, Hey, you're a guest in our, in our vacation home, enter in your, uh, you know, your Amazon credentials and we'll, you know, let you have Amazon prime working here. And I was like, great. Yeah. And I did that. And then I remembered it the next day when I got home. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my Amazon credentials were logged into uh, a TV. So right. hey, it's that's not like uh, they could see your password, but no. you log yeah. into but you log into Amazon in, account yeah. and log out everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Here, here's the yeah. thing, though. Like, I'll I'll one up you a little bit. The last time we did, we went down to Ve- uh, not Vegas, um, Saint George, uh, Saint George. Not not terribly long ago. <laughs> And at the time, I thought, "Oh, this is cool. They've got a built-in. Uh, they they got fire sticks on this TV. It's just hanging there, and it's and I can watch all this Prime stuff. I'm just gonna hang out in here and watch Prime stuff. This is great. Hey, thanks for doing that. Found out later they don't have fire sticks in the rooms. This was somebody left one, so they left their <laughs> they left not only their logged-in thing, but their entire fire stick. Their actual fire oh, stick. Yeah. Oh man, that'd what be a bummer. nightmare. Yeah, that is a bummer. Uh, and I and I called later when I figured it out and said, "Hey, I think somebody." May have left that, and they were going to try to find him. <laughs> no. Honey, why does it say, do we want to continue watching this weird <laughs> <Right>. porn film? <laughs> yeah, all that porn they have on Prime. Yeah, that's right, the place yeah. to get it. Prime porn. Prime porn. Pee pee. Pee pee porn. Is um, it all like Cantonese prime porn? Isn't it all like <laughs> porn? <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say before the next clip. Uh, you asked Christopher Plummer rolls what people should see or ones that really stuck out. Um, 
one of the most memorable for me is the Michael Mann film, The Insider, which uh, had him playing Chris, Christopher Wallace or Chris or Mike Wallace, rather. Chris Wallace is Mike Wallace's son, works on Fox. Anyway, Mike Wallace uh, for 60 Minutes. Anyway, that's a great movie in general. Russell Crowe, him, Al Pacino. um, Mm. Oh, my gosh. Steven Toblowski's in that. Bruce McGill. We all love him. Rip Torm is in it. Good Lord. What a movie. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And again, like I don't, I, I'm not sliding Twelve Monkeys per se, but I would love to see this movie made by Michael Mann. I just would love to know. I would like to know yeah. how that plays out. I hate to say this, but I think I kind of agree. As much as I like the I, weird, I kind if of I'm going to see right. it remade by anybody, I would, I would much rather see it remade by Christopher Nolan. David Fincher, right? Fincher, I think sure. with all of the, I think with all the social questions in this film, I would prefer somebody heavier in the sci-fi genre to to tackle this again because I I don't. Well, then Nolan Germain because he could do both, right? Nolan can yeah. do both and do well. I think that'd be fine. He's too busy being pissed about how no one can see his movie as much as they were going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Cohen brothers? Yes, sure. Story? Hey, why not? <laughs> I'm in for them making whatever. So you could right. sure. no wrong. Yeah. Uh, here is yeah, I, I would be interested in seeing that list. Here is a very, very young actor who would once, who would eventually, or right around then, start to be on a, a, a Law and Order SVU and become very popular. A very young Chris Mal- Maloney. Maloney? Malini. Oh, yeah. Maloney? Malini. Yeah, I forgot his little cameo thing. Here he is. Funny thing, doctor. Maybe you can help explain it to me, being a psychiatrist and all. Why is it the kidnapped victims almost always try to tell us about the guys that grabbed them? There you go. That's <laughs> just a weird thing to he say. He was salty in this one. I liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 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 I liked him, too. Small role, but anyway. And now, finally, Madeline Stowe's weird laugh. <laughs> all right. There's that. <laughs> uh, all right. It's uh, this time... Time for this film chat check. I can't talk. Film sack checklist. Film check. Film check. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phil, uh, sorry, sweet stash. Bruce Willis check. Hey, oh, some of the best yeah. birds uh, flipping ever on film check. And finally, mm-hmm. never try and teach an old bullet new tricks. <laughs> check. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, Star Trek connections. We mentioned Christopher Plummer and his role as General, whatever his name was in Star Trek. But I, I, I I'm sure there were others. I don't know what they were. Uh, I didn't get any. There really weren't. I looked through a lot. Like there was this one stunt guy in this movie that was in everything Star Trek. Yeah. But no, Christopher Plummer is your is your connection. He's a uh, uh, kind of a it's just kind of remarkable when you think about it. Like I remember when that movie was coming out. I remember hearing that Christopher Plummer was going to be in it. Wow. Yep. That's and and of course it was called the undiscovered country and I used to think I really got Shakespeare right yeah <laughs> like, wow this is gonna be so, so serious and real and then of course you know it's a Star Trek movie yeah that movie's also notable for having uh, o, uh Rene Auberginois and Tim Russ who would go on to be Odo and uh, Tuvok, Tuvok respectively yeah. they both played Klingon traitor dudes who uh, tried to assassinate the galactic president guy it's a and weird then, thing it's a weird thing and then there's a, that star trek it actually has a star trek connection it on its own yes it's cool. right isn't that weird because there's then an episode of voyager where uh tim russ and who someone someone else i don't know is it roxanne dawson i don't know who but they visit that movie uh repeatedly oh well, that, the scene of the of the insurrection attempt and all that yeah 
That's so a hell. Of, it, it's a hell of a. That's actually quite the pivot point for a lot of Star Trek lore. Is that sixth movie? There's a lot going on yeah. there. I like it. It's a good movie. I saw it. Was that my first date with Kim? No. First Couple date. dates in. I saw that with Kim in the movie theater. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> oh, hey, soundtrack grade. I gave it an N-A-G-A-I-S-H-B for not as good as it should have been. <laughs> I really didn't like that True weird, that. like, that weird, like, uh, thing. I thought I used to like that. <laughs> no, you, did, you didn't like yeah. the, yeah, I was going to say, which which one didn't you like? The the pluckiness or the nod to uh, uh, oh, Vertigo? Is that, what, or, is that kind of what they were doing with the song? Kind of, yeah, a little bit of uh, Bernard Herrmann's uh, right. yeah, Vertigo and Psycho violins. I don't think it worked as well. But it has freaking uh, accordion. Accordion, music. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, the accordion music in this movie drove me crazy. I did not like it. I didn't think it fit the movie. It reminded me of Monty Python. I'm like, are you trying to say that this is funny? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it's it doesn't work. I thought it did though, because when I saw it, I remember I remember it being notable and going, "Oh, that's a it's weird discordant accordion." Yeah, discordian yeah. accordion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. band name. Someone get Weird Al on the phone. I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to the Twitter post. This is where you guys sum it up in two hundred and eighty characters or less. That's a lot. So let's see how you do with it. Uh, let's start with Randy. Oh, monkeys. Everything is dirty and every building is old and it's somehow older on the inside than the outside and paint is peeling off every surface and it makes you question your sanity. Just like a Saturday night at Ibbett's oh, house. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> uh, oh, Dunaway. Twelve monkeys asking the tough questions. What'd you do with your time? Did you waste it on drugs, women, this movie? Are you also divergent, friend? I like how you keep going to that. Yeah, that diver- I'm yeah. starting to think you're yeah. divergent. Yeah, yeah. What does that say? Well, I that's that the the actor who uh, who played that part who kind of described uh, what was actually going on. He was I, I liked his his little role. He, you like uh, the cut of his jib? All right. Yeah, he's like, I like the cut of his jib. He was all right. Nice. Let's see if we like Brian Frederick Strother uh, Ibbett's jib. Brian Ibbett. I kind of mentioned a couple times before, but I put it all together into my Twitter post. 12 Monkeys, it's what you get when you add seven to the fifth element. Oh, smart. Oh, pretty good. Nine, 10, yeah, because yeah. you add Brad Pitt <laughs> to the Bruce Willis movie. Oh. Yeah. Seven, fifth yeah. element, 12, seven, yeah. five. It says yeah. 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What about Thank the you very one? much. I'll see myself out. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, the uh, like uh, this movie was just missing uh, Jean Renault. If he had been in this movie, oh, I love him. He would have had the right. per- like he's the perfect person for it. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Love that. We need to watch the professional. Yeah. That's on our list. I know, oh, but can we get so around good, to yeah. it? Gosh, dang it, that's good. Or uh, Ronan. Yeah, Ronan's great. One of the best uh, car chases ever in Ronan. Same guy that did uh, the Gene Hackman movie uh, Chinatown. It's very good. Or wait, not uh, Ronan. Ronan. Is it Ronan? <laughs> not Ronan. Uh, Ronan, Ronan, not, not Ronan. Ronan. Popeye? Popeye. Not Popeye. Ronan, Ronan, not Ronan. <laughs> Just like Ronan. <laughs> all right. I have a list here of these. These are alternative titles. Just handed to me. Uh, one of these is, says it's 12 Montys. Well, that's interesting. Oh, that's yeah. smart. I yeah. Like you know, because of Monty Python, probably. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 11 monkeys and one bonobo, which is an interesting way to break that down. <laughs> okay. Because they're more of an right. ape, right? They're an ape, not so much a monkey. So right, right, looking right. for yes. accuracy here. Uh, hey, check this out. Got emails for the week, two of them. 
In fact, these came to uh, filmsack at gmail.com, as they always do. And Jay sent us this. Hello, Scoot, Randall, and Brains. Uh, as I started to watch The Expendables 3, I had realized that I had left the closed captions on. I had just watched oh, a foreign yeah. film. Sputnik, very good film, you must say. Anyway, uh, so I was looking for the remote to turn them off. And then I noticed I could not understand anything Sly Stallone was saying anyway, so I left it on. He says it was the right choice. Also, while I was watching, um, I was playing uh, Broforce on my Switch, and then I realized I was playing as the Expendables. That is all Jay. No, he's right. So if you've never played Broforce, amazing little indie game, 2D indie game, that is just all about destruction and stuff, and everyone in the game is called bro something so like brobo cop but you're basically right. robocop uh brambo is uh, it's the bro, most bro thing you'll ever do or rambro is is rambo but it's it's you know <laughs> it's an amazing like over the top ridiculous like homage to these 80s characters and anything you can think of from keanu reeves and the matrix uh all the schwarzenegger things all of it is in that game it's older now i think that game came out in 2014 or something but Still an amazing game. Broforce rocks and it's cheap. So you should just get it on everything. It's really good. Uh, Tim wrote in. Hi, guys. Given the pig based talk in this week's episode, we're talking about Mad Max that week. Mm. It says, if you want to look further into the classic film subgenre known as Australian pig movies, you can't do much. (laughs) What? (laughs) He says you can't do much better than the Razorback. Uh, this was a film directed by Russell McCahey back in, uh, or sorry, between directing the early Duran Duran music videos he yeah. did and the movie Highlander. In uh, best regards, Tim. I've never heard of this, but I am all in on yeah. something called Razor. I love Russ Mulcahy. I, he's one of my favorite music video directors with his, you know, slow motion table flipping and and stuff like that. He definitely had a a style that he brought. 1984 through. is that right? Yeah, is that right? That sounds yeah, right. 1984 looks like. Uh, he was also great on MASH. He really kept the camp together. That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> Father Russell. Father? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, well let someone get that on the list. Razorback, whatever the hell that is. And we will we will see if we can get to that. Thank you, Tim, for the recommendation. And all of you at home who have things to say, questions to ask, and recommendations to make, the email is simple. Filmsack at gmail.com is what you're going to want to use. Our next film is the first movie I ever saw when I was a teenager, that featured somebody being hung on a meat hook. Mm-hmm. The movie is My Bloody Valentine. Now, what'll be fun is if we get to it and there's nobody on a meat hook. That'll be funny. <laughs> right. And this is the My Bloody Valentine from 1981. Right. Correct. On right. your Amazon Prime. And I hope quality-wise it's not, you know, janky like uh, The Abyss was on Amazon Prime. Well, it can't be as bad as the original VHS copy I saw in like 86 <laughs> or 87. <True>. So. <laughs> I saw yeah, this but that's you're not even sure. Way to watch not even sure that that's what you really watched. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm also my memory is the girl who's like the main bad girl is this the blind sister on Ooh, um, uh, the Ingalls show. What was the hell that what was that called? Oh, really? <laughs> Mary? Little House Mary? on the Prairie. Yeah, I think Mary? it's Mary. I think like a. Uh, um... Oh my yeah, god! I don't think so. Let me see. I haven't looked, but I think it's her, Lori Hoff. Uh... No, no, the blind girl was Melissa Gilbert. No, oh, no, right. the blind girl. No, was no, no, no. Yeah, yeah it was her older sister. sister. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't. She's not. I don't see her listed in this film. So uh, you may be thinking of Laurie. It might be this Holly. Laurie Holler person. See, this is what I'm saying. I have weird mixed memories of this movie. I'm excited to see what holds up. But 81, it came out. I saw it in like 87. 
on a date or a, you know ha- friend's house. We we're all hanging out. And we watched it, and I remember that meat hook stuff gave me the freaking willies. So Ooh, let's see if Alf it does it again. Humphreys is in this one. Oh no, who? Alf Humphreys. <laughs> Alf Humphreys. <laughs> Alf Humphreys. Are we meant to know him? Do we know him? From yeah, anything? from uh, Stallone, uh, First Blood, and the the X Men is is William Drake and. Uh, you know, he's been in some things. We also have a really great IMDb photo for Peter Cowper, which I highly recommend you guys checking out down yeah. there at the bottom there. That's an amazing photo for them to use for, for IMDb. Sweet. <laughs> anyway, that'll be next week right here on Film Sack, the 1981, not the remake, not the 3D thing, but the original My Bloody Valentine for Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah, good timing. Yeah, we're celebrating. In the meantime, filmsack.com is our website. You can leave us emails at filmsack at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at filmsack. You can find out all our individual accounts as well at the website. And you can leave us reviews on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love that because it helps us get noticed even low these many 11 years later. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.